turning the music up. We'll just have to deal with it. <laughs> I'll do my yeah. best in editing. <laughs> this, is, this is our curse. We have to share studio space. Not Safe for Publication, a podcast about the lighter side of humanities research. I'm Georgia. I'm Anna. And with us today we have May Nuisar. May, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be a PhD student at the University of Manchester? My name is May Nuisar. I'm from Egypt. My background is architecture and uh, my master's degree was about urban conservation and some a little bit of heritage sites. And then back in Egypt, I was a teaching assistant as well, and I enjoyed teaching so much. So I decided that I need to seek uh, academia career. So that's why I was thinking to do my PhD. This is when I started. And when I applied here for my PhD, I was planning to be in architecture, but they said, no, your topic is totally urban planning. So you have to be in urban planning department. So now I'm the only urban designer in the urban planning department. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And what what does that mean to be an urban designer? Uh, urban designer, it's um, it's related to public spaces and life between buildings. It's it's mainly related with the smaller scale or than the urban planning of the city scale and the street network. It's about quality of life. Mm. How you can create a quality of life within those public spaces and life within the community doing this kind of social cohesion so it's that part yeah right and this seems like a good opportunity to sort of tell us about your project in the specific which has a particular case study yes uh, so my my PhD is about um, studying the relationship between design of public open spaces and heritage sites my case study is in Liverpool and it is a UNESCO World Heritage Site and it is the only UNESCO World Heritage Site that is listed in danger in the whole UK. So I'm trying to understand where the uh, Pierre Head is located, how this public space is there with the Liverpool Museum and the Three Graces, how they are articulated in the design of the public space, how the heritage as values, intangible values are being articulated within the design and the development of the city. This is what I'm trying to understand. Okay, so uh, Anna, have you actually been to, to Pierhead? I've never been to Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you're missing out because Liverpool is really, really beautiful city. It's got such an interesting... When you compare it to Manchester, it's really different. It's Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really interesting because it was one of the most deteriorated cities in the whole UK. And then they did this kind of urban regeneration projects and trying to retain the image of the city again as being a global city. So they did a lot of transformation within the city centre, the waterfront. So it, it totally changed, yeah. The, the thing is, a lot of places in the UK I've first heard about... Um, from my parents who did a road trip around UK in mid 90s okay. so my mom remembered Liverpool very much as being this well they went to the Beatles museum yeah. and there wasn't anything interesting apart from that kind exactly. of <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm ashamed to say I, I 
didn't go to Liverpool. And to be honest, when I I haven't been to Northwest much before moving here. Like moving to Manchester was the third time I've ever been in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> what is so special about this space, especially for you? Where, why did you choose it as your case study, and what does it mean that it is? endangered so it was a it was a long process because i'm from egypt and we have a lot of stock of urban uh, heritage sites in egypt and the initial plan that i was going to study my case study is going to be in egypt and then when i was doing my research i realized that there are a lot of document uh, analysis that i need to do and it's not easy to have in egypt it is considered confidential So I didn't have access to those kind of documents. This is when I shifted. Okay, so we were discussing what could be the possible case studies that I could do here. And then uh, we were discussing it could be in Europe, or Spain or Portugal, because they have this kind of mixture of public open spaces and heritage assets at the same time, because I was mainly concerned with the hardscape, not the green infrastructure, public spaces, not like parks. It's more that the spaces, people spend time there not being a green open space. So we were discussing uh, what about this, what about that? And then my final decision was three case studies, one in London, one in Birmingham and one in Liverpool. And of course, it's a three year PhD thing. They said it's going to be a massive thing. We were discussing, let it be one case study and then see how this relationship is really happening. And it was interesting because it is the only UNESCO World Heritage Site listed in danger. And listed in danger means that the outstanding universal value, the value of the heritage being there is threatened and it is going to be disappeared if we didn't do certain actions to do to those outstanding universal values. And this was the case in in Liverpool because they were trying to retain economic development within the city because it was deteriorating, suffering from population loss. A lot of things was happening there. So they were trying as much as they can to do any kind of development that will retain this image as quick as possible. And this is where their project, which is called Liverpool Waters, it's on the waterfront adjacent to Pierrehead, when they decided to do skyscrapers. And being a UNESCO World Heritage Site, one of the most interesting things, you will always have to retain the skyline or the image of the outstanding universal value of the heritage there. And doing this kind of high-rise buildings was going to affect this image. This is where the whole debate was about No, it's not going to work. No, Mo might retain it in in the list of being a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And this is this is this is was the conflict about it. It was interesting to study how this conflict is really negotiated among different stakeholders there. So, what is it that actually makes Pierhead a UNESCO World Heritage Site? So, it's it's not only Pierhead. Pierhead is part of the UNESCO World Heritage Site. What is interesting about Liverpool that the whole most of the city center and the waterfront is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So it is called the Maritime Mercantile City. So it was about the innovative technology dock constructions and it was about slave trading that have witnessed during the history of Liverpool. So it was about a lot of things that they needed to articulate it mm. in the development of the city this is where they can see their identity and the image of the city that it was about 
uh, innovation, technology that no one did during that time. So I can see how that would also be quite hard to protect in the context of also trying to sort of redevelop exactly. the city centre. And there's a lot that's come up around there with the L1 shopping centre. Exactly. Ex- yeah, I think of that as an area with quite a lot of museum and yeah, art gallery yeah, yeah. sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can see how those would actually sort of interrupt the heritage space in a way. Yeah, and the Pierrehead, it is considered one of the few public spaces that connects the city with the river. So this is where the people can spend time and enjoy the the main three buildings, which are called the Three Graces. So it this this kind of interaction of the daily life of the people living there, how they can see their identity and the image of the city within this public space. I think we discussed a very very similar thing uh, with my students actually when we were reading a case study on Shanghai skyline because this you know very much iconic skyline with the needle I think it's pearl of something um, uh-huh. you know the very very famous yeah. tower um, this is a very very recent development um, it's it's a part of the kind of development that happened since mid 90s um, and it's it very much kind of overpowered the other side, which is um, the Bund, mm. which is kind of a part mm. of Shanghai's colonial past, mm. um, which is, again, really, really problematic. And the ways in which the context around the building redefines the building and its significance. Exactly. Yeah, th- thinking, thinking about preservation of the mm. skyline as not just preserving the building, but you know, thinking about what is the context of it sounds incredibly interesting. Especially when I was doing my, my field work and talking to people there, and especially the stakeholders, it was interesting that each one of them, they have a different image of what does it mean as a heritage and what the, what is the identity of the city and what is the image of the city. So you can see how these different images was reflected in the development and uh, which led towards being listed in danger as well. So I actually wanted to ask a bit about your fieldwork and what form that took. So you did interviews with stakeholders. Is there anything else? So, <laughs> <laughs> Big question. Yeah, yeah, yeah because my, my fieldwork was during uh, the time that they were doing a lot of um, constructions in the um, train station there. It's like the mm. Lime Street station. Yep. And I, <laughs> whenever I had... Uh, an appointment with an interview I will be late because the trains there are always delays and I was like oh my god I'm going to <laughs> to lose this contact and I was suffering to get this contact the people are busy and they just fixed the time for me and I was like oh my god I'm going to lose it and this is where it's like I was spending a lot of time trying to let them please could you be patient because the trains is not my fault <laughs> I really don't know what to do. And then it's okay. Sometimes I was lucky. People, they are free the whole day. It's okay. Take your time. We know that there are delays. It's fine. But sometimes like I had to go there. And then they say, we are sorry. We don't have time. So we have to reschedule the meeting again. Yeah, it was a little bit of a disaster. (laughs) Especially if you have a fixed time, you need to finish your fieldwork during that time. It was a little bit stressful. Yeah, but I did a little bit of interviews. I did a survey for the people are using the space and a lot of observation how the space is used um, during the peak time and the off-peak of the tourism season and how, how this development is really working within the context of the whole city. 
Yeah, it took me it took me a while to finish it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Was there anything that you sort of found with uh, with how people were using the space that surprised you? It was not a surprise, but uh, the the types of activities that were added uh, there, which is the Pierhead Village, it's a kind of uh, almost like a Christmas market and um, events, uh, social events happening there. So you can see it's like different group ages are behaving differently according to the this type of activities. And you can see the elderly, they just want to go there and spend time having this connection with the river, enjoy how this site developed. So it, it was kind of expected <laughs> a little yeah. bit, yeah. You said that you did your master's degree in Egypt. So did you yes. move to Manchester for your PhD? Yes. Had you spent much time in England before? Yeah, it was my first time. <laughs> <laughs> it, okay, yeah. so uh, how's that been? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was excited in the beginning, especially the weather is like, Egypt is a very hot city. And here it's raining all the time. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, Okay, <laughs> I remember my first day here and it was raining heavily and I was soaked <laughs> because of this rain. I said, okay, this is what I have to get used to. <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting because here there are a lot of international students. Mm. So this kind of mixture was really interesting because for me, Egypt is not totally international. All Egyptians there. So <laughs> yeah, this kind of experience was interesting for me. It is a really diverse student body here and I found like it, even sort of a, a PhD level, so many international students, yeah. such a great opportunity to meet people who are doing interesting things. So you mentioned that you are in the Department of Urban Planning. Urban Planning, so yeah. What kind of things are your colleagues working on? <laughs> like it's it's mainly about policies and city developments, how the policies are are negotiated among uh, the councils. Right. Uh, yeah, it's like different levels. So it's yeah because we have one of the other departments within my school. It's it's geography. Mm. They have this part with human geography, and we are almost the same, but we are tackling the the policy part of it. Mm. So my, my colleagues, they are working on infrastructure, um, urban shrinkage, mm. this kind of topics and sometimes sustainable development yeah. and uh, urban regenerations. It's, it's different, different. It's very diverse in, in our department. And yeah, it sounds like your work's kind of a bit, yeah, on like a smaller scale mm -hmm. than that, but yeah. doing this very kind of in-depth yes. project. Yeah. Oh, it's really interesting. Yeah. So what would you say, apart from the weather, was kind of the biggest challenge in moving from Egypt to England? And what was kind of the main exciting thing about being here? One of the biggest challenges for me, uh, it was the, the British accent. <laughs> <laughs> because in Egypt, we are used to the American accent more than the British. So I hear it's like, yes, I know English, but when I came here, sometimes I have difficulty, especially on phone calling and have it's like ordering anything it's like oh my god i can't understand i keep saying like, can you repeat it again please <laughs> this was the most challenging part for <laughs> especially when i was doing my interviews that the liverpool accent I was like oh my god <laughs> but but rather than that i really enjoy it manchester is a good city to live it's like it's very convenient for students you have yeah. a lot of alternatives of what you want to do so, yeah, 
<laughs> I enjoy being here, to be honest. So you mentioned that you're really interested in uh, in teaching in academia. Is that sort of still the plan for once you... Uh... Yes, but I'm open to alternatives now. Mm. Yes, but I would love to work in academia because teaching is really interesting. But alternatives, yes, definitely. <laughs> now, after doing my PhD, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's quite a common feeling, isn't it? Is that you sort of get to nearing the end of it, and you just think, yes, just oh, a job, please, <laughs> everything. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can imagine that with a specialism like yours as well, there's probably a lot of opportunity for postdoctoral exploration of another yeah, site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things yeah. like that. Especially, it's like in my department, I'm the only one who's working on heritage. Mm. So whenever they have any master students are working in heritage, you would, you would just send me an email. Could you go and give us a list of literature review for those students working on that? I said yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you sort of really have started to develop into the expert in your field. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and can you see what you're getting out of this case study sort of being applicable to other heritage sites? Yes and, and no. At the same time, because usually heritage, it is related with the context. Mm. So when you have a general idea what's happening within this context, it might be different, but you have like general guidelines or outline that could be applied to other World Heritage sites. But you need to take in consideration that there is the context there that you have to put it in mind while doing this kind of uh, criteria. And this is where they were having the debate between the UNESCO and Liverpool City Council, Historic England, because <clears throat> it is within the conservation area. So Historic England have different kind of uh, criteria for how any development should be happening there. And then you have the UNESCO level that they have another criteria for how being a heritage site should be. And then you have the city council and they have a lot of challenges within the city development that they need to take in consideration. So you, you kind of understand why this happening in this situation. But uh, definitely, yeah, there would be guidelines that could be taken to other UNESCO heritage sites. I don't know very much about UNESCO World Heritage Sites. And I feel like often when you hear about them, it is in the case of them being under threat. Mm. Um, so is it is it particularly common for a World Heritage Site to also be in a large urban centre? Yes. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> because usually, usually when you have a heritage, it is within the city centre of mm. the city because this is where the core or the start of the city and then it developed mm. and extended. Uh, but the case in, in Liverpool, it is dominating most of the city centre and the waterfront. So we, you have... You have no space to do more within mm. this area because it's almost almost the whole city that you need to put in consideration because being a UNESCO World Heritage Site, you have boundaries of the heritage site and then you have a buffer zone that you need to be careful while you are doing the development. So with the buffer zone, it's almost the whole city. So they have a lot of restrictions how to tackle any kind of development there. But it's not the case in other in other UNESCO heritage sites. Yes, uh, there are a lot that they are listed in danger, but because you need a development, sometimes the development is not on the same page of the 
UNESCO heritage sites. So e, e, yes and, and no, it, it's usually depends on the context more. Yeah. And so, also if you think about a lot of major European cities kind of thinking about this, the business center and the economic center is usually different from like historic center. Exactly. And if it's the capital, maybe the political bit will overlap mm-hmm. with the historic center. But economic center will be almost separate um, where they have all of the skyscrapers and mm-hmm. whatnot. But then I suppose with Liverpool's economic center being based around yeah. the docks and about like the historic exactly. trade and stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 I'd never thought of it that way. If I'm honest, I didn't realize that, <laughs> uh, that Liverpool had a UNESCO World Heritage <laughs> Center. I suppose yeah, it, yeah. It makes sense. It's a very um it's a city with a huge amount of history. I love well, it. I love this podcast cuz I get to learn stuff all the time. <laughs> well, there was there was a similar kind of issue in St. Petersburg because so there are particular regulations in terms of preservation of the skyline. Um you're not allowed to build taller than certain pieces of heritage, mm. um, so mm. St. Isaac's Cathedral, mm. another cathedral, another cathedral. Yeah. You're not allowed to build any taller yes. than they are. And then obviously like there are people who want to build taller buildings for their businesses and economic center is largely in the historic center. And there was this huge scandal and it ended up like being moved Uh, and they built this huge tower but like mm. outside of the city and it looks really weird because it's just the tower and trees yeah <laughs> and nothing around it but um because there was a lot of people and people were really ardently fighting for preservation of not even specific sites or specific building but preservation of the skyline and the historic space mm. Yeah, it's 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 almost the the same case in uh, in Liverpool because um, be, this image of having a global city you always have have a cer- certain kind of criteria it's like business districts which has these skyscrapers for offices and mixed use development and then you have a huge asset of heritage that could be used in a different way to achieve the same result that you want to achieve but it's always this kind of uh, modernization and globalization versus the heritage identity and and the city in in, at a, um, in the whole thing yes yeah it's so interesting do you because obviously you deal with heritage do you have to deal with the historical side of it or do you just deal with people who are interested in the historical side of it so like unesco what do you mean by the historical well, side well kind of because you talk about the particular heritage of the liverpool docks mm. um and and the fact that they are this important historical site where so many things took place do you is it a part of your project thinking about their history or is it more a part of a project of thinking about how people perceive it yeah usually when when you are dealing with them mm-hmm. with the heritage and public spaces you need to understand how the city was before and how it led to this image that it is nowadays mm-hmm. so yes i said i started the, um, the the history part of it but in order to understand how the city was transformed through time mm-hmm. what was important that remained till now and what was not important that they had to demolish and reconstruct and other things but do i really study the the history that 
kind of uh, yes we need to be back to how it was definitely it's not going to work because part of it it was about um, industrialization and uh, how the technology took place this is where the functionality of the heritage there has this problem yeah so it's it's important how people perceive the heritage mm-hmm. and uh, how they can see it now to understand how this image is translated in the design so in terms of people are using the space how the usability of the space do they really use it because it's a heritage it is part of their identity or do they use it because it's a public space that connects them with the river and then they can spend more time there or do they use it as tourists because they know that this is was part of being one of the biggest heritage sites that uh, took place during that Br- uh, Britain empire city <laughs> during <laughs> that time so it's 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 like how people are interested to to use and visit the site so this is where the relationship does the, really the heritage affecting the usability of the space or does the space is affecting how the heritage is perceived one of the last things that we ask all of our guests is for some kind of uh, sort of funny story or funny event from your time as a as a phd researcher and we wondered if you had anything to share with us yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so it's like because we are in um, the social sciences part so when we are doing interviews we do transcribing and those kind of stuff so i remember when i was transcribing and i was suffering with one of my interviews that i barely can hear anything of what the person was saying and i was just busy busy typing it and then <laughs> my friends felt that i'm really angry about the, the quality that i have and that can produce anything and they were just enjoying <laughs> on my bag just drawing things making funny faces and taking pictures of me on my bag that she's really busy and she can't even <laughs> she's not aware that we are on the background <laughs> oh we're going to do this next time you're transcribing an interview georgia oh, <laughs> oh transcribing takes so long even with yes. good software i'm so slow yeah It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 been the case for all of us. Like whenever it's like, what are you doing? Just transcribing. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, and one of the funny things, like sometimes it's like, so how's your work going? I say, I'm stuck, and they say it's the same for us. So finally, <laughs> we are sharing the same thing. All of us are stuck at a certain point in our yeah. PhD. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the big things about the PhD community, isn't it? It's why. It's why it's so important for me to actually come on campus and do my work yes, is because yes. at least you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> just having someone else and so we're both historians but you know mm. knowing that someone from over in in seed yeah. is still having sort of similar challenges getting stuck with transcription getting stuck in the work. There's a lot of talk isn't there that doing a PhD can be really isolating because you're the only one who's doing your work. But yeah. It is balanced out by the fact that even if everyone else is working on a different topic a lot of the challenges are the same the same yeah yeah mm. exactly well i think i think it's part just generally of working on a project that is sort of unique because mm. it has to be unique to be a phd project but when something is 
unique because of this. There is very few ways in which like you have to come up mm. with the ways of doing it rather mm. than there is a book that tells you this is the way to do it. Yeah. Um, and that is, I think, what is challenging about it, but also what is rewarding about it. <laughs> <laughs> so wise. I'm so wise today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes even talking to your colleagues, you are just talking and then when I'm talking, I say, oh my God, yes, this is the idea that I want to develop. And then I'll just leave them and try, write it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely so may thank you so much for joining us today it's been absolutely fascinating to learn some more about your research and to speak to someone from a sort of a different school in the faculty of humanities so thank you very much for your time anna thank you as always for being such a wonderful co-host <laughs> thank you georgia thank you so much <laughs> all that's left to say is don't tell your supervisor what you heard here today what happens on the podcast stays on the podcast. Not Safe for Publication is a podcast made by and for humanities researchers at the University of Manchester. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at NSFP Podcast or get in touch with us by email at nsfppodcast at gmail.com. Our intro and outro music is Hat the Jazz by Twin Musicon.